Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade. And I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 59 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for one more day to read your word and learn more of you. Open our hearts to your message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's see what's happening in Luke chapter 15. Jesus was gathering a crowd around him. It was a crowd of tax collectors, notorious sinners, and wicked sinners. The Pharisees didn't like that he was congregating with these people. I suppose it would be similar to how we judge people who are hanging out with the wrong crowd. Jesus spent the rest of this chapter telling them stories about the lost the one who was lost and then was found. He tells a story about the 100 sheep and the missing one that the shepherd will leave to go in search of that one. He tells the story of the woman who lost a coin equivalent to a day's wage and she searches diligently for it. Each time when the lost is found, there is a celebration. And each time Jesus says the angels celebrate over the one who was lost, but then was found. Last story he told was of the prodigal son. Most of us are familiar with this story, but we don't fully understand how the brother who is upset about the party thrown for his willfully disobedient brother is much like ourselves. This man never wavered in his service and was very angry when his brother's return was celebrated. I'm sure he thought his brother deserved nothing. And this may be where we walk in his shoes at times. We try to do the right thing. We serve God and work hard. And then we see people who do none of those things and seem to be blessed more than we are blessed. The father's answer to his son gives us a beautiful insight. He told his son that everything he had was already his. This son wanted for nothing. His needs were taken care of. He didn't wonder how he would spend the rest of his life for it was already determined. He would inherit all his father had. In fact, he could live as though it was already his. Just so, our Heavenly Father has the same legacy in store for us. We need not be concerned with our future here on earth or eternally. The Lord has secured it all. Our reward is waiting for us in heaven. And while we are always grateful, the Lord forgives us just like the Father forgave his prodigal son. In the story, we also can be grateful God has our future of eternity secured with him. Let's see what Paul writes The Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul starts off recounting the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. He continues to point out that Jesus was resurrected and there was proof because the disciples plus over 500 other people had seen him post-death. There must have been a question about the belief in resurrection because Paul addresses this point most determinedly. The Sadducees in ancient Jerusalem did not believe in resurrection of the body. Essentially, when we die, we are simply dead, according to their belief. They just didn't believe in an afterlife. It is possible this idea had started to permeate the Corinthian church. Paul continues to argue his point that if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, then their faith would be futile. In verse 21, he writes, For since it was through a man that death came into the world, it is also through a man that the resurrection of the dead has come. And then Paul continues to write about Adam being the man who sin came to this world through, and Jesus is the man who saved us from this sinful world. 
Paul's arguments about the resurrection continue as he compares planting a seed and watching it grow. But before this happens, the seed came from a flower or plant that had died. His next verses are words of exhortation as he writes about how glorious the heavenly bodies are, the sun, the moon, and the stars. In verse 43 um, is underlined in my Bible where he writes about our earthly bodies. It is sown in dishonor and humiliation. It is raised in honor and glory. It is sown in infirmity and weakness, but it is resurrected in strength and endued with power. We are resurrected into heaven without all the illness and weakness we feel as our souls are attached to these earthly bodies. I, for one, look forward to releasing the pain here of this earthly body and being resurrected in strength and supplied with power once we go to heaven. He continues on through the end of the chapter, encouraging and exhorting the church with, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abound in the work of the Lord, always be superior, excelling, doing more than enough in the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile. It is never wasted or to no purpose. He reminds us that nothing is wasted in God's economy. God uses every moment, every circumstance, every person, every trial, every difficulty, and every triumph for his glory. Everything is his. So let us remain diligent in our pursuit of God and learning his ways. We start a new book, the fourth book of Moses, which is called Numbers. Its name comes from the numbering, the counting of the Israelites in both chapters 1 and 26. This book also captures 28 years of the Israelites' wanderings in the wilderness. We can be on the lookout for God's divine care for the people and providing them manna to eat, water from the rock, and quail later in this chapter. This provision was for 600,000 men, not including the women and children, for almost four decades. The first chapter starts out after the Israelites had been in the wilderness for two years. God gave Moses the command to take a census of all the men who were 20 years old and older, who were able to be soldiers and go to war. He was to number them by each of the 12 tribes. There were 603,550 men counted in all. The Levites were not counted because they were the priestly tribe that cared for the tabernacle. They were responsible for taking it down and putting it up as they moved from place to place. No one else was allowed to touch or approach the tabernacle or they would die. The Lord instructed Moses about where the tribes should set up their camps in relation to the tabernacle. Each tribe was given a specific place according to what tribe would set out first as they moved from place to place. Imagine organization of over half a million people. God did that and instructed Moses how to execute it properly. God was in the details then as he is in the details of our lives today. Let's look at Psalm 59. Psalm 59 is not like other psalms where David is being pursued by Saul. In this psalm, Saul sent men to his house in order to kill him. His wife warned him of the plot, and he escaped. We see David praying for God's deliverance from his enemies. He writes about their fierceness and asks God to spare none of them. And then, like David always does, he writes of God's strength and that God is his defense. In verse 10, he writes, My God in his mercy and steadfast love will meet me. God will let me look triumphantly on my enemies, those who lie in wait for me. In the last verse, verse 17, he writes, Unto you, O my strength, I will sing praises, for God is my defense, my fortress, and my tower, the God who shows me mercy and steadfast love. Let us know the Lord is our strength, defense, fortress, and high tower as well. He is merciful and loving toward us. 
We will face trials just as David did, but God has already won the battle. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we find you working in all the details of the lives from thousands of years ago through our lives today. May we lean into you for help because you are our strength, defense, fortress, and high tower. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's word.